0: You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast. Where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. You know, I think often about when I start this. What am I going to talk about? And uh, you know, there's uh, there's a different things that come to mind. You know, we we might speak on a specific church theme. We just really got done with. Uh, what did we talk about most recently? Worship, that's it. And and uh, we could, or, or something, but I also think it might, I want to speak on something that you that I'd be interested in hearing, you know? And it's like, so I want to, that's what I want to give you something that I might like. If you come to my house, for example, and I'm cooking, you're not going to get peas, okay? And you're going to get something that I like. Uh, but so the idea is that I'm going to speak, hopefully something that, interest me, so it might interest you. Also, what the Holy Holy Spirit excites me with. Um, that's how we kind of figure out sort of what we're going to talk about. And then, again, of course, supplemental to the last week's past messages. And Tom Wells was here last two weeks ago and talked about relationships and can never get enough of that. And and then, of course, Greg last week uh, talked about the priority for um, our the next generation and not not looking overlooking them. It was really kind of a warning, right? Um, Greg t- warned us to not forsake that and see what. And he used some scripture in Hezekiah and how things kind of fell apart after Hezekiah because he didn't pass the baton on to the next generation. So, you know, our lives are filled with warnings, right? And and uh, I put have some warning signs if you want to add those. Throw a couple of those up. These are just some funny ones. This one's not intended for highway use. We've seen some of these that kind of are funny, but what's the next one? Do not eat iPod shuffle. You've seen warning labels, haven't you? Some of them are crazy. Next one. This product not intended for use as a dental drill. Wow. Next one. Do not iron while wearing shirt. Good practical warnings. Next one, remove child before folding. Good advice. I don't know if we have, oh yeah. Drivers do not carry burritos. Getting hungry? It's actually, it's kind of early still. Oh, never use a lit match or open flame to check fuel level. Good advice, good advice. I think that's it, is that? Yeah, that's it. So um, what I wanna do is um, talk, deliver another warning. The, you know, the Bible is full of warnings and uh, there's actually 26 bewares in the Bible. Um, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, Matthew 16. Beware of the dogs. Uh, beware of the evil workers, false circumcision, false prophets beware lest thou forget the lord beware that your hearts are not deceived and you do not turn away and serve other gods and there's other warnings so actually the the bible is filled with them if you've if you've read it recently or you if you've read it in the past you know that there are warnings in there everything for the for the wages of sin is death you know and dear children keep yourself from idols warnings that god has for us as Christians you know and you know last week my da- daughter hates when I do this but last week my daughter took off on a Thursday morning for Boston out of the airport on the plane I knew nothing about it I knew nothing about it and I said where's Carly and she and my, to my wife Well, so these these two they have this thing going that I don't I'm, I'm like it's almost like cultish I don't know they, they, they have this thing going that I'm, I'm on a need-to-know basis. But I guess it's okay. But, you know, I thought about it. Why is this bothering me? She's gone. I didn't know it. What's, it's, everything's fine. She, she and I think it's because I didn't have an opportunity to say to her before she left, be careful, right? A lot of times when somebody leaves the house or goes and does something, there's, we, we have the, find this comfort To issue a warning, be careful, take care of yourself, you know, these sort of things that kind of are more for me than it would have been for her, you know, but God issues these warnings and maybe, you know, um, our primary risk or concern, something that we need to be warned about in 2023, United States of America, Messina, New York, or wherever, is that we live in the United States in 2023 in a very prosperous time. And I thought about we, a lot of times we have in our services, we talk about where God hasn't come through or things have been tough. And, uh, but really for the most part, life is pretty good, right? Um, I've been here on for over 59 years now. I don't think, I've really ever been hungry or cold for very long, right? I don't I don't recall ever having a the risk to of missing a meal. Um, We have so much here. There's there's plenty, and that's a perilous situation often for Christians. My wife and I were watching Life Outreach thing yesterday on TV just briefly. And uh, there are mothers there that don't know when the next meal is coming for their children. And they're down on their knees praying. And uh, they're at a different place than we are, aren't they? And for the most part, I know things are tough. Life is, we have difficult situations. I'm living in some, you're living in some. But things are good at the same time, aren't they? And so we need some of these U.S. 2023 warnings because we're at risk of falling into the culture and the system in these days. So I want to read our baseline story today. And that's out of Numbers chapter 13, verses 30 through 14, verse nine. And if you guys put it up, I'll read it right off the off the screen with you because I don't have enough space for everything here. Numbers 13, verse 30. It says, then Caleb, let me give you a little preempt on this. This is, uh, you know, Moses sends up, 12 people um, to, uh, to go and spy out the land of Canaan. Actually, there were 13. Caleb and Joshua was with them. With and uh, so they went up they saw it was really good and they came back with a report. And they sa- and the, the majority of them, unfortunately was the majority of them, said, no way, we can't do it. This is gonna be too hard. And then it starts here. It says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. We're gonna talk about more about that lion we were talking about earlier today. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land though which we have gone as as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak and we were like grasshoppers in their own sight, in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. Verse 34 or verse one of the next chapter. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. Verse two, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Verse four, so they said to one another, let us select the leader of return to Egypt then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel but Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephthah who were among those who had spied out the land tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the church of Israel saying the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land Verse eight, if the Lord delights in us then he will bring us into this land and give it to us a land which flows with milk and honey Only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land for they are the our are, are bread their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us Do not fear them and we'll end it with that one. So this story, is really kind of a sad account of God's people's choice to go back into bondage, a familiar culture, rather than to rely on God, much like we are in the 21st century and Americans are tempted to do often. This land that they're in, the wilderness, is the land, the wilderness of Paran. It's a place where they stalled out and uh, last week, Chris Lincoln told me a story about um, last year, I guess it was last year on his boat, maybe the year before, but it was taken on water, and they were at risk of stalling out right in the middle of channel. And, and Lisa is getting all the life preservers out. It was a really, really bad time. And uh, they ended up getting through it, but stalling out, that's the idea of stalling out is think of it in terms of – you're on a boat in the middle of a deep river or an ocean, and you just stall, and you're like um, just stuck there and sinking. He was taking on water at the time, too, and that's what this land is, this, this wilderness is, um, and a stall is, is a risk of not making it to where you're supposed to, to be. It's a risk of not finishing, and again, you're running a race just like I'm running a race. We all are. But our race is not against each other. And I want to just throw this out there. Get rid of the competitive aspect of church. It's not part of who we are, all right? If you're an athlete, if you're into sports, if you do stuff like that, that stays there. In the church, you and I are about making uh, somebody else successful, right? And uh, we need to to really ditch that. I have that tendency sometimes. How am I doing compared to this person? No, 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 no. It's really the best thing you can do for yourself is to elevate somebody else and to help somebody else, right? So um, this race that we're in is against ourselves. Paul says, I have finished my course. You have a course. I have a course. Your course is entirely different from mine, and you're responsible to to." Uh, Stay on your path and finish it. And I'm responsible to stay on mine. And if there's any way I can help you with yours, it goes better for me anyways, right? Amen. So um, it says in verses eight and nine, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land. Only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land. The stallers, the things that stall us out from moving forward with God are fear and rebellion, fear of man and rebellion against God. And that starts from listening to the wrong advice, right? You got a crowd of people here that are against this idea of moving into Canaan versus two or three. And I'm when I read this, the first number of times I read this, I was just really bothered that the masses were against the idea of trusting God, and there was only a handful that were in favor of it, and that's common, even today, even in our environment. Um, we need to listen to the voice of the few, perhaps, and and take heed to that. The the you know the the crowds are fickle. They'll go one day they're they're worshiping and praising Jesus, and the next day they want to stone them. All right, we can't follow the crowds. We got gotta follow the voice of of the few that are that ha- have fire in their heart for God. So it starts with the wrong voice, a bad report. It can't be done, right? And uh, I was thinking about uh, there was a radio show that was on for years. Some of you older timers will know who this this is. Is Paul Harvey? The rest of the story. Remember that. Then now you're going to hear the rest of the story. And talk about a great storyteller. Don't you love when you come across somebody who can really tell a story? And Paul Harvey was one of those people. And I used to listen to this in the 80s and 90s, and there were just wonderful stories. There were stories about people overcoming in areas of their weakness, and then they become great in that area. And I listened to a cute, a, just a couple of them before I came, and I saw there was a guy by the name of Emerson Mosier. He became the top color maker at Crayola for thirty years. He was colorblind, and they didn't know it. He went for his physical to get a job there, and they didn't they didn't disclose that information. He went to work, and he became the top color maker, and he was he was co- colorblind. Woodrow Wilson he couldn't read at all until he was the age of 12. He was dyslectic. And he um, he ended up, of course, being president. John Wayne was picked on as a child being called little girl, <laughs> you know? So you've got these, these great weaknesses to start off with and the transition is um, totally God. It's the power of God. And that's how life is for each of us, isn't it? For me personally... Uh, I don't know if I said this before, but I graduated in the bottom half of my class. And um, I think number th- th- 203 out of three eighty or something like that. Yeah, 203 out of 180. That's not possible, is it? <laughs> Five out of four of every people need help with math. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I, gr- I and uh, I ended up, I couldn't even get into a state school. I ended up at Potsia or at, at Canton, ATC. And um, I got saved my first semester at college, actually second semester. And I ended up getting through that, going to Potsdam State, getting an MBA, and I work in a job f- full of smart people, of which I'm not one. A lot of times I'm leading meetings with vice presidents and that sort of thing. But you know what? It's it's God who is glorified. At the end of the day, you and I, you know what you can do and what you can't do, right? And uh, guess what? Many times we're faking it, aren't we? You know, you get up and as Steve knows, right? You get up in front of people and um, you're just like, I hope this goes okay. And and uh, if they really knew, but God is God and he's gonna be glorified in our weaknesses, amen? And so this is this is the idea. We can't receive a bad report. We've gotta receive the truth. The truth is the truth. The truth overrides the facts, right? Truth, facts, right? Truth always rules over facts, amen? So your next step in God is likely either beyond your capability or your comfort zone step out of the boat right or even perhaps worse maybe you're low on fire maybe you don't even have fire for the things of God and you've settled into the wilderness to the point the options really are go back to Egypt or put your trust in God and surrender to him or you could stall out the only problem with stalling out is you're taking a huge risk because you're sinking right remember that movie catch me if you can it's a it's not even that old of a movie but what is it what's his name Leonardo right he gets he he gets he's being chased right by Tom Hanks and uh, he couldn't sit still he couldn't stay anywhere because he was being chased if he stayed he'd get caught and that's the idea here a lot of times for us we like to stay and settle in but we're at risk when that happens but we certainly can't Go back to Egypt, which is our culture, right? And I think about Egypt. Egypt's not a physical place. It's bondage in our hearts and minds. It's a meager, sure thing, right? It's three squares. 401k, temporal possessions. The Bible says a man's life doesn't consist of the abundance of things that he has. C.S. Lewis says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, infinite joy. We are far too easily pleased that was CS Lewis and then there's the other side the Canaan that infinite joy that CS Lewis was talking about that milk and honey that uh, Caleb and Joshua said a heaven experience that taste of honey remember that song taste of honey again some of you old-timers didn't didn't remember that some of some of some of you know. If you don't know that song, I feel bad for you. <laughs> You're going to go, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's got a good trumpet. Where's Bernie? Bernie's here. It's got a good, good trumpet lick to it. So a taste of honey, that's what God has for us. Being stalled out is no longer an option. We're sitting ducks, all right? Remember the four lepers in 2 Kings? They said, we can't just sit here. We're going to die sitting here we're going to go in why not let's take some risk and that's the idea here what i'm talking about today and again the phrase that they use well able to overcome that lion that that we sang about that sherry talked about that lion that is inside of you you and i are well able to overcome if we ignore the lion you know what happens we see the canaanites how big and strong and powerful they are and and in a natural sense, it's a good decision to stay away. But with the lion inside of us, with that place of I'm going to do it. I'm going to overcome that spirit of victory that Caleb and Joshua were talking about. Amen. So um, Egypt's no longer an option. We can't go back. We're sinking where we are. We're go- I don't know how many of you can get frustrated sometimes. Even in Christian walk, you get frustrated. It's because you're starting to sink and, and there's God that's nudging you and nudging me to, to move forward. We can't sink any. So the options: do we go back to Egypt, or do we go? We trust God and risk Him. And there's, but the problem is, is that choice to go back to Egypt is perilous. Remember, I was talking about that earlier. In this culture, this world systems tough on us as Christians. It can really take. The life of God from us, and and but we we want to go back our that place of Egypt is appealing to our flesh, and th- why is it peerless? I'm going to give you a couple reasons why it is. And number one is there's no feeling of obligation to consult God. That's the place that Egypt has. When we shift into that mode, into that culture, we don't feel obligated to consult God. And that's very hurtful to him. As a matter of fact, I think that's probably the most difficult thing to God there is when his people don't consult him. When they say, I'm going to do it myself or I'm going to seek other gods. That's hurtful to Him. God wants to be part of our decisions. And I sent out a text message last week to a, a few people and I said, give me some wisdom. Give me a nugget or two. What do you know that can really help somebody that you've learned over years of experience with God? And Barbara responded, almost within minutes, I think. And and she said, I listen on purpose for the Holy Spirit's voice before making many of my plans or decisions. If he says go, I go. If he says stay, I stay. That was Barbara. Those, those are your words, too, from the text message. No ob- I, I'm talking about an obligation here to consult God versus I can do it myself. Um, another one is, pr- is we, that place of Egypt is a place where we say prayer hasn't any relevance or impact. I've tried that. It really doesn't work so well. Um, you know, I can just kind of go on without it. And I think sometimes we as Christians need um, Holy Spirit glasses Who's ever gone to a 3D movie? Anybody gone to a 3D movie? You can't really experience it, right, without what? The glasses. They give you the glasses so you can see that dimension that without it, you're going to miss a lot, right? And it's the same thing same thing as Christians. We walk around often without our Holy Spirit glasses and things that God is doing go under the under the radar. Yesterday anybody go to the car show yesterday in Louisville? Anybody? Nobody? They had a car show. I'd like to go to car shows. They're fun. So I go there and I see my old friend from General Motors that I work with, Jimmy, and uh, he comes up to me. He's all excited. He says, "I want to thank you for your blessing." He said, and I don't even remember this. I think I guess once he started talking about it, kind of, he said, "You you you prayed a blessing over me." He said, and and I am cancer free. That's what he said, and he said, "I'm I feel so good." And I didn't even remember it, you know. And again, I'm not, uh, uh, this is not about me. It's because I, it was probably a feeble prayer because, you know, anything I can do is a dirty rag anyways. But, you know, God does things that are powerful and mighty, but they're under the radar, right and left. If we had our Holy Spirit glasses on, we could see by the minute, All the things, the places where God has jumped in and done a mighty work, a miraculous thing. And we need those glasses. We need to see those things. My friend Francis, I asked him for his wisdom. And uh, he said something, but I remembered, I was gonna talk about that. I remembered uh, he spoke in the Northside Church a couple years ago. And he talked about the right side of the refrigerator. remember we... Uh, we put our prayer requests up on the left side of the fridge. He said, answered prayers should be on the right side. We should have altars. That's what they did in the Old Testament. When God did something, they built an altar. So you put it on the right side. These are all the answers. Reminders, a remembrance that God answers prayers because they slips away. And we we forget about, If you if I were to ask you, what has God done for you? You might be like me and say, oh, but if we remember, if we, if we purposefully remember what God has done for us, that right-sided refrigerator, put those answered prayers down there, get in, get in, in the habit of reminding yourself God is good and he's done these things, and it will boost your prayers. It will help you so that you have some energy to pray and you're not just pushing it aside. Number three, in Egypt, we don't need to wait for anything. Right, credit system. Who's got credit card? Anybody got a credit card? Who's got a balance higher than? T- no, I won't say that. <laughs> With it, we're in a credit card society again. Our culture. You want it, get it now. Get what you want. We're not. We're not willing to wait. You know, we. Uh, my son opens this, opened a store last November, and uh, it wasn't very long before after Christmas, we business started to really tank. And so I'd come every Saturday morning to men's prayer. You guys that are going going to men's prayer, know that Jeff was, where's Jeff? I was Jeff, maybe. Oh, hey, Jeff. Jeff's there every week, comes over all the way from Brushton, Moira area. And uh, come to men's prayer Saturday mornings at eight. It's really good. It's really good, isn't it, Alan? Where's Alan, Alan Russell? I know he's here. Oh, there you are. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So I start, I ask these guys just about every week, We pray for my son's store. It's not doing very good. And next week, same thing. Third week, same thing. Fourth week, I'm going like, this is not working. I know that feeling. You know the feeling too. That it it is a loud sound. It's not, this is not working. It's, this is not working. Don't even bother anymore. That's the scream of the enemy. And I said, and I remember thinking and feeling really discouraged in the, in the side, and and saying, "Can we pray for my son's business?" <laughs> you know. Anyways, and that's the idea that we don't give up, and we and we we don't expect it immediately. Don't be surprised that it might take some time. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we got word that um, my son made a phone call. He's called a lot of different people. And he got an account, a great account for him to be able to sell their product. And so that's coming in right now. It's not done deal. I haven't seen an influx of customers, but we're in the process. How many of you are in the process of believing for something? Don't grow weary in well-doing, right? You'll get an answer if you don't give up. You gotta faint. You gotta. You, you can't faint. You gotta keep going. You gotta stay with it. You gotta understand that it takes some time and be, be patient. Let patience... Have its perfect work. Um, A a fourth one. In Egypt, that place where we want to go back to, that we have no business going back to, is a place where we can exist without a fire or a zeal for God. Right? It's kind of like the Laodicean church. Remember in Revelation 13, John writes, You say, you Laodiceans, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. I count you you to buy from me gold refined in fire. Be zealous and repent. That's the risk. This place of Egypt is a place where there's, we think we're doing great because we've got so much. Yet we're wretched in some ways. And again, I'm, I'm, I want to be careful because I want this to be encouraging, but it's also a warning, right? I need it just like you need it. Amen? We need to we need to be warned. And we need a fire for the Lord. It's campfire season, isn't it? Kind of fun. The only problem is all the smoke that we have from a fire that's not our own. I think it's going to be blowing out today. But, um, you know, fire heat is relative where's Doug Doug Von Borstel you know this you worked at at um, Alcoa and Reynolds you go buy those pots and they're hot I worked when I worked at General Motors I used to have to go and get a sample out of it it's relative there's there's fire and then there's fire isn't it that 1100 degrees a lot different than a little campfire there's there's, there's a difference and um, like a couple weeks ago I got caught in the uh um, Four year there with noreen and we started talking about an issue that we both have it's a common issue and she started talking to me and encouraging me and i got, i left there i go her fire is hotter than mine and she, her fire is actually almost consuming my fire which was kind of cool i walked out go wow that was something you know and i i want you to know that there is relative heat and and i think Really, the person with the hottest fire should be able to preach. I mean, the Bible says they can all preach. It'd be kind of good. Do we get to the point someday where whoever has the hottest fire—not the biggest flame, right? We've seen people with big flames. Those pots don't have flames, do they? Not really. We don't. It's really about the heat. That's what we're looking for, right? And we certainly don't want—we certainly don't want smoke. But you know, there's a lot of people christians who over time just build wood piles we're talking about f- to burn for fire right and so use and they have all this theology and and uh huge wood piles and anybody drive down the road and, through and see pot wood piles that are kind of um getting rotten <laughs> because they haven't used them I'm like use your wood it's going rotten and i think that's the way we need to be as christians we the, what we get from God, the theology, the understanding, the wisdom, let's practice it. Let's feed the fire with it. Let's turn our lives into something that is hot and on fire for God. The last one, big, the, this is a big one. This is where we, in Egypt, where we get to the place where we can control our own life. We have really no accountability Church attendance is optional. Everything's situational, depends on how I feel, right? Uh, I can hang out with whoever I want. Mike, hang with you. And I can uh, listen or watch, listen to or watch whatever I want. There's really no conviction. No conviction. No Bible-based true conviction in our lives. That's the place of Egypt. This is the thing we've got to watch out for. Amen. So we're talking about the Promised Land, Canaan. It's what Joshua and Caleb saw—the milk and honey, a better view, likeness of heaven. Revelation 4:1 says, "After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like the sound of a trumpet." Right, Bernie? Speaking with me, saying, "Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this." God's call today is to come up here and I will show you. Come forward. It's a better view, right? God wants us to move us into a position where we can see something that we didn't see otherwise, right? Our Holy Spirit glasses. We see the grapes, not the strength of the Canaanites and and the people that live there. We have a better vision. We can see more clear, see it in God's terms. Um, I remember when I, we were in high school, and my parents said, "We're going to Florida." I'd never been to Florida before. We're going to go and see the ocean in Florida, and and uh, so you could sit at home and look at the brochures and see what it's like, but it's nothing like it until you get there, right? So we get in the car. We're gonna get. We're gonna drive down to Florida, and the closer we get the more Florida-like it is. You know the feeling you get down into Virginia and North Carolina and the windows start going down, especially if you go in January when it's really cold, you start off in negative up here, and by then you're, the window, the first time you roll the window down, right? And then you get to the signs for Pedro, right? South of the border, remember that? And uh, you get, the excitement just builds. And I'm saying today, as we get close, as we come up, just like Revelation says, as we come up, and get closer to Him, the excitement builds, and we are approaching that destination, that place. Remember the first. Remember the first time you ever saw the ocean. Was it awesome or what? I mean, you can ha- you can imagine it. You can look at pictures, but it's nothing like smelling the air and seeing it, isn't it? And that's what God has. He's got these things for us. This milk and honey this infinite joy that C.S. Lewis was talking about for each of us. And, And the Bible is saying, and I love this verse, and I'll bet you many of you have this on your wall at home. Joshua 24, 15. Anybody? Choose. Choose this day. Choose this day who you will serve. And I'm saying today, make a decision. Make a decision in your heart right now. That you're gonna you're gonna move forward. It's in a practical way, like Barb's advice says listen for the Holy Spirit before you make decisions. Psalm 81, verse 13, the first part says, Oh, that my people would listen to me. And then my friend Francis' advice remember his the ways he has answered our prayers. Don't forget his benefits. Psalm 103. Keep praying. That was mine. Always pray and don't give up. Luke 18, seek him first. Psalm 63 and fan the flame that we were talking about in 2 Timothy. We are well able to overcome. You are well able to overcome. I am too. Why? Because of that lion that we were singing about that's inside of you. That lion wants to rise up. We are well able to overcome if the Lord delights in us because we don't rebel against him and we trust him to be God. Living His ways, the second part of Psalm eighty-one, thirteen, he says um, that Israel would walk in My ways, right. So if we come, up, we'll come forward. If we'll, we're going to have communion here, if the uh, Sarah and the group would come, and the people that are passing out, um, I talked about Mike Webster earlier and and Dan table at the beginning of this sermon, and um, that day that that Mike spoke and. And uh, he talked about, he gave this football illustration and he said in football, cause football's coming up in about a month, believe it or not, we're back into it. Um, they may, they're made or broken plays by how they fall, right? By how they fall. This is not me, this is Mike Webster. He says, most the, or, or what, they, what they plan to do, in the end of a play, is always to fall forward, right? There's a difference. They gain that first down, the touchdown or whatever, or an extra yard by falling forward. They're stuck, they get tackled, but still they have enough in them to fall forward and not fall backwards, right? And so I'm suggesting today that in your heart, say you're a little low on strength. This is like... Oh, I don't know if I can really do this. I'm encouraging you today. If you're gonna fall, at least fall forward, right? Fall ahead. So, and that gives God that one extra chance, right? So we're gonna we're gonna have communion this morning, and we're gonna talk about or consider the, re, the remembrance aspect of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We do communion for a couple of reasons, but the probably the biggest one. He says, do this in remembrance of me and do this in remembrance of my death. And so we're going to talk about, we want to communicate today that it's important that right side of the refrigerator that my friend Francis was talking about is what we're all about. We want to remember. We want to consider everything that God has done good for our life. So we're going to do that through community today. If you come and get your Uh, get the elements two tables up here I think yeah two in the back thank you said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me father we thank you today Lord God that you're you're our God we declare it this morning father that we're gonna be bold be strong We declare, Father, that we are well able to overcome this morning. And we're going to do it by remembering, Father, what you've done for us. Remembering, Lord God, that there's a lion inside of us, Lord God. Remembering that we we are, again, we are well able to overcome. So, Lord, we just take the bread right now. Go ahead and take your bread and eat it. And, Father, we receive this, Lord God. We receive you, Father. We love you, Lord. Receive this as an act of remembrance of your body, Lord God. Take the cup now and drink the cup. Father, we partake of the the drink, Father. We're reminded of the blood that flowed from the cross. We thank you, Lord God, that you love us so much. You loved us. You love us now and you will love us, Lord, forever and eternity. Thank you, Lord, for that. You know, Canaan is milk and honey. The result of it, listening to the Holy Spirit before making decisions. I understand it's tempting to quickly make your own decision, but you are well able to overcome. The result is persistent prayer. I get that it's logical to give up praying when it seems to have no effect but you are well able to overcome. The result of entering in is seeking him early. Sometimes it's inconvenient, but you are well able to overcome. The result is keeping your fire hot for God. It takes determination to maintain the fire, but you are well able to overcome. And the result is remembering his faithfulness, which is what we're doing right now instead of doubting. I know it takes less effort to doubt and to complain than to believe, but you are well able to overcome. Remember the right side of the fridge, saints. Remember his goodness. Remember that there's a lion lion inside of you. Amen. Father, I just pray a blessing over each of us. Help us, Lord God, to walk in a manner worthy of the call on each of our lives. Bless our loved loved ones. Bless our families. Lord God, pray for our health. That it would go well with us, Lord God, even as our souls prosper. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.